Did you know that up to 70% of our thoughts are negative? You know, our brains are really hardwired to focus on the negative. And that's probably why at some point in our lives, most of us have experienced feeling like we're in this spiraling overwhelm of worry, fear, anxiety, and all the negative thoughts are seeming to be true. This is really what catastrophizing is when we think about not only the worst case scenario happening, but we assume that if that does happen, we won't be able to handle it. And so that's what I wanted to talk about today on this episode with my guest, Esperanza LeBron. We're going to talk about how to get out of that spiral. You know, when you feel overwhelmed, when the negative thoughts just keep coming and coming and coming, and you feel like your thoughts are running the show instead of you being in charge of your thoughts, because there is a way to get out of that rumination that is really so unhelpful. And I would actually say it's unhealthy, right? It's not only hard on our minds, but our whole nervous system is reacting to these negative thoughts that as Esperanza will point out in this episode, your thought doesn't know the difference between the truth and a lie. So your nervous system is just feeling all the things as if they were true, if they were real. And I really wanted to dive in and talk about how can we get ourselves out of those overthinking spirals? Because I know for myself personally, I have been in plenty of them and they can really feel like you're out of control. And I wanted to get us to a place where we feel like we have some tools and we have some practices that we can incorporate when we're feeling overwhelmed, catastrophizing, ruminating, that we have something to get us out of that. So I'm really excited to have my repeat guest, Esperanza, back on the show. She was on, I believe it was episode 71, and she talked about managing your mind. So she's coming back again to share how to manage your mind, but specifically when you are in a really difficult place where you just kind of can't get control of these negative thoughts. So if you didn't listen to that episode, go back and have a listen. It's one of my favorite episodes. And you're in for a treat because she's back and we're having another really great conversation. So a little bit about Esperanza. She is a Fortune 500 executive coach and motivational speaker. So she coaches corporate leaders and entrepreneurs. She's a triple certified and accredited executive and professional life coach. She has an MBA and a master's in organizational development, and she's an expert in human change. And of course, I've linked to Esperanza's information. You can learn how to connect with her by going to podcastandamplify.com. And she has a really powerful backstory, which she will share with us at the towards the end of this episode. And I just find her to be really inspirational. She has so much knowledge and wisdom and heart. And I'm actually part of her group coaching program. And I really appreciate how she weaves in, you know, not only all of the things that she's educated in around coaching and and the way humans operate and the methodology that she teaches. She really incorporates neuroscience, somatics, thought work, of course, and spirituality. And so that's really my kind of coach. You know, humans are such complex beings. And so for me, when I see that a coach weaves in all of these different approaches and methodologies and modalities that tells me that, oh, they understand that people are complex. And it's not about just having one cookie cutter solution, that it's important to have a variety of tools to help people um, on their journey and to see themselves differently and really change beliefs. And so a new question that I've incorporated into these upcoming episodes that you'll hear is I'm asking my guests to tell me about a time that they failed and tell me what they learned from it. So what I have found over these last few years, especially in the online space, I know I'm not alone in this, where you, know, you just see people's highlight reels constantly. 
you're not seeing the trials and the tribulations and the valleys that always come with the peaks. And I think that can be really damaging to us. It's very much a distortion from reality. And so I really want to help people see how much failure plays a role in our successes and to normalize failure as something that is just part of the process. There's no shame in it. And actually, it's so, so valuable to our journeys. So I've been listening to this podcast, and I'll link it in the show notes. And it's a podcast by uh, her name's Katie Milkman, a behavioral economist. And she was talking about how it is really hard for us to learn from our own failures. It's so much easier for us to learn from other people's failures, because failure is really ego threatening. And so it's really hard, even if we are really evolved and we're really secure with ourselves, it is still hard to learn from our own mistakes because our ego feels very attacked. And interestingly, we learn equally from other people's failures, other people's successes, and our own successes, but we do not learn very well from our own failures. But we can, and it's important that we do. So a few of the things you talked about was definitely give yourself space. It's very important to take some time to kind of feel the sting of the failure. And then when you're ready, come back to it from a new, more neutral perspective. And then a trick she mentioned was talk about your failure in the third person. So I could say, oh, Kristen totally dropped the ball. And then this happened. And that kind of gives you that separation from it. So those are just a few things on about failure, why I'm bringing it to the show this season, just want to have a more honest and uplifting conversation around failure, and to destigmatize it, uh, because we will all go through failure in our lives. And if we can really own those failures, then it's just going to help us get that wisdom and to course correct and, and learn about ourselves so much faster. And so Esperanza shared some really valuable failures and learnings towards the end of this episode. And really what we got into is what motivated her to pick herself up. And some, that's something we, I think we need to think about, you know, what gonna what's gonna motivate us to pull ourselves out of that mistake that mess up and keep going I know you'll be inspired I know you'll learn something from her experiences and I just appreciate how vulnerable she was because not only is it not fun to fail it's not always something that we want to talk about so anyone brave enough to come on and answer that question I'm just so in awe of and appreciate I can't wait for you to hear this conversation so let's dive in welcome back Esperanza I'm so happy to have you back on the show Oh my God, I'm so happy to be back. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So we are going to dive into a topic that I think a lot of us experience. And I think it was actually in one of your coaching sessions that I got sort of the spark for having this conversation. So we're going to be talking about managing your mind when you're going through that spiral, that a shit storm, like you cannot get yes. out of all the, the <laughs> negative feelings. And Perfect it, way to describe it. Yes, because <laughs> that's how it feels, right? Yeah. And I think that's where, you know, we've all been there at some point. So let's just dive in and tell me about what typically sends us into that overthinking spiral. And is there a way that we can start to pay attention to what tr it triggers those? Yeah, absolutely. So that spiral is something that is happening. It's like brewing on the subconscious part of our mind, right? And the moment our brain gets a whiff of like change, a fear, anything that's going to rock the boat, this is where all the brewing is coming up in. Now, 
managing your mind really just means like understanding what thoughts are being presented, what thoughts you may be subconsciously selecting to play out and what thoughts you may need to challenge and or reframe. That's what managing your mind is. It's, it's being aware, it's being the watcher, it's being the observer. It's really allowing you to play that director role in your life where something is going on, you're in the middle of that shit show and you're kind of like panicky, right? That has happened to all of us and we feel like there are, is no other option. The reality is that there always is another option. But what we may not understand is that we're electing, that we're choosing to kind of like by not looking at what's causing us the pain, we're choosing to stay in it. Now, there's two ways that I want to talk about this, because for many of us, especially if you're at the beginning of a coaching or thought work journey, you may not even realize that there is option B. Right. So I don't I don't want to dismiss that. That is that is the truth. Some people are just not aware that it is an option for them. The other part is. There's only two reasons why we decide to stay in places or change them. And that's because the thought that we're thinking that we're believing is true. And there's a feeling that we're not willing to feel, right? So maybe we don't even understand or know or realize that there is an option of another option available to us. And then when we do realize it and we're still in that spiraling is because we're believing the thoughts that are presented without actually challenging them. I mean, and I definitely, I love that you acknowledge that, you know, some people early in their journey. And so as you get more curious, right, about why am I still doing certain things? Why do I have certain habits? Why aren't things working for me? Or why do I feel a certain way? And then that starts to help you ask those questions like, okay, who's in the driver's seat? And what is causing me to go down that path of that negativity or um, maybe it's self-criticism. So much so. And even I would add um, people pleasing, right? Like I actually don't want to do that. But I keep doing that. Why do I keep putting myself in this position? Mm. Why do I keep saying yes when I really want to say no? So when we think about the triggers, um, how to identify them so that we can stop these kind of spiral cycles. I also want to think about a trigger is anything that gives you an emotional activation. Right. So it could be a, sometimes it could be a smell for someone. It could be somebody saying something and you feel frightened, you feel afraid and you're not willing to say no, like whatever it is, you just have to kind of notice what's going on in your body. When you think about the trigger, I like to think about them as the emotional activations. And then you want to ask yourself like, oh, what is this feeling? I remember <laughs> there's so many of us that don't really know how to feel because we're just feeling all of the emotions that are on default. Right. So when we actually take the time to think about what is this angry feeling? Where is it in my body? Why am I responding that way? Those three little questions can start to shift and create awareness. So then you can see what is happening outside of yourself in part of yourself, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It, it does to just like connect back. And you're right. Like they are simple questions, which I think the simplicity is important because when you're in that storm, I mean, the the overwhelm feeling is like to the max, right? It's almost like your brain's working overtime and it feels like it's shutting down at the same time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a visceral threat. When we're like that, our body is like in a place of defense because the threat of fear of change of saying no, like whatever it is that we're experiencing is real. So it's like the army is activated in our head, but what does that look like for everyone? It looks different. For me, it would look like not being able to get out of bed, not being able to show up on calls, canceling calls, not being able to go to work, not being able to show up for my family. And when I did, I was a really angry person or I wasn't nice or I would throw things, you know? And it's like, I feel out of control because my brain is literally so tangled. I can't make a decision. I don't even know what's going on. I'm not taking time for me to breathe. I'm like, and when I think about myself pre-coaching back then and somebody would tell me to do that, I'm like, you obviously are just not in reality. <laughs> like, this is real. This is actually happening. Your comment that stepping out of reality just really resonated with me because I felt that so many times where I'm like, wait, what is actually happening right now? <laughs> we create these narratives in our mind that we start to believe that that's the reality. Yes. 
And going back to managing your mind and being starting to be aware, right? You start to get to glimpses of like, I keep thinking this. Obviously, I believe it because I keep thinking it. But here's the, the beautiful thing. You know, doing thought work and learning more about yourself creates the choice if you want to unravel in whatever situation you're in. That has been, if I could sum up my coaching journey and all of the tools that I have learned with thought work, it is in that sentence, like, I now know that I have the choice whether I want to unravel or not, regardless of what situation I am in. And that kind of awareness and power puts everything back in your place. So let's say you're going through a divorce, maybe you lost your job, whatever it is that you're going through, there is so much, there's so much work to do in asking yourself, okay, this is the, this is the situation, this is the experience that I'm in. And seeing it as, you know, I like to say contrast right? This is what's happening. There's a shift of looking at all the things that you don't want and then asking yourself, what is it that I actually do want? And you'll notice that you'll feel triggered when you're in the things that you don't want. But from that place, there is clarity to be made about what you do want. And then asking yourself better questions and how you can do that. Because, you know, I think I mentioned before, like the quality of our lives are determined by the questions that we ask ourselves. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, we're talking about spiraling, right? And it's a word that's commonly used to describe how we feel when we're sort of stuck in these ruminations and we can't get out of it. And that does feel very out of control, right? And from what you said, like that managing your mind, that really gives you that agency gives you choice, right? It brings those things back into play. And those are the things that really help us get out of that sort of like helpless feeling, you know, I'm controlling how I choose to see this instead of my feelings are overtaking me. And um, so I felt like that was really, really important connection. You talked about feeling like, oh, I don't want to get out of bed. I felt that very recently. Like I was just talking to my husband. I was like, oh, I know I'm in like a not great place because I just went into the bedroom the other day and laid down. And granted, it wasn't for very long because I am I feel like I'm, I've been coached and so I'm able to recover faster. But I knew I needed that, you know, I needed that time. And that was kind of a signal like, oh, I'm feeling overwhelmed right now. Um, procrastinating, it looks like that for me. Uh, yeah, showing up like super sassy, <laughs> you know, looks like that for me as well. And so that leads to my, to my next question is like, how does getting stuck in that rumination, how does it affect where we're at in our present and then getting future our future goals? Yeah, I think there's so much there. Even with the word, like for everyone listening, Think about when you hear us say stuck, what that feels like for you. Everyone is different, right? If we keep, especially as a coach, I always hear like, well, I'm just stuck here. I'm just stuck here. I've got a block here. I've got a block here. So here's the part, just acknowledging that we feel stuck. We have to dig a little bit deeper. Like that's definitely happening, but let's find out why. When you feel stuck, can you name the emotion? Does You've mentioned overwhelm, right? That's one of that are very common for me. I feel overwhelmed. I feel extremely stressed out. Maybe I'm feeling discouraged. And one of the ways that you can get some insight is to write down the feeling first. And then you're going to write down to, okay, okay, Kristen, what's, where's this coming from? Like, why? What are all of these things that we're stuck in? And just allowing yourself to tell the truth of what's happening for you in the moment can be so freeing. Because once you release it from inside the body, inside the mind and onto paper, now we're like able to look at it objectively and start to tell what the actual truth is or what to challenge it. And when we don't do that, we keep creating the same thing over and over. And I, I think one of the pivotal pieces here is we have to remember that anything we believe today up until this moment, all of our beliefs right now have been created from our past up until today. So when we think about how being stuck in the things that we're thinking or maybe not clearing up or maybe not even seeing yet, how they are affecting our future is because if we don't come to the realization that the beliefs that have brought me up to here are not the ones that are gonna take me to the next level because they can't, they can't take us to the next level. We'll only continue to recreate a little bit better than where we are now. This or a little bit better, because the brain, if you think about it on an axis, it's going to stop at the Y of today. So with that said, 
once we can allow ourselves to number one, be intimate enough to actually be truthful and honest with ourselves about what's actually happening up in here and what we're thinking about, seeing it on the paper and allowing yourself to just be nice to yourself. Like, let me challenge every single one of these because the brain is kind of a jerk, right? It's kind of a jerk. And it does that because it's just doing the best that it can with information that it has had from for 35 years for me, right? It's like 35 years, girl, this is as far as we can go. But I don't think we can get any further. But that's not the truth. If we want something different, we need to start thinking something different today. We can't go mine from the past or for today for what we want to create in the future. The future is created by what we're doing and who we're becoming in this moment. And the brain can't see it unless we, it's like a, a fishing, a fishing pole, right? Unless we hook like the hook line in. And then I don't know the fishing vernacular. I don't even know why I use that analogy, but, but I don't in. either. <laughs> right. So you, you put the line in and then you, you toss it. And now that you toss it, the brain knows where to look for the fish that might get caught and bring it in before it didn't know. And it's the same thing when we're thinking about our future. We have to allow ourselves to unfilter and think about what is it that we want to create? What do we want to experience? And I'll bet it's very different from what you're experiencing now. It's very different because if it isn't, then that means you could create it right now. But if it is something that you want that's different, you have to do the work to allow yourself to see the cycle, but see yourself outside of the cycle. Like you have to allow yourself to, to be that macro part of your life, like zoom all the way out so you can start seeing gaps and notice that, oh, this is the y-axis. I need to start thinking something different. What is that for me? What's actually the truth about what's available for me? And then answer the actual questions from there, from the future, from what you want, not from where you've had or what you've been. That's a big thing. Yeah, I love that. And I hope you don't mind me sharing this. We can cut it if you do. <laughs> but one of the first, I think, coaching sessions we did, because you have a group coaching program, which I'm a part of and I love. And I think you told me, yeah, your brain's being a real asshole to you. Yes. And I was like, oh, this is why I know I'm in the right place. <laughs> Because, you know, sometimes you just need someone to tell you like, look, this is the deal and this is not true in like no uncertain terms, right? Um, because those beliefs are so strong that we can really take a, it, that voice that that's being a jerk for a face value, right? Yeah. And it, that's it's important to sometimes get someone outside of you to like give that feedback and that perspective, like it's saying this, but let me just tell you that is not truth. Yeah. Your brain was being a total asshole. I remember that session like so clearly. And thank you for saying that because it's so important to, we can't see what we can't see, right? We can't see what we can't see. And to have somebody argue not for the defense of your limitations, but to argue for the truth and for your future vision and what you actually want. That is so important to have someone in your corner that can actually tell you like, listen, <laughs> I'm going to be the prosecutor on these limiting beliefs because nowhere here does that actually say that's the truth. Like that's not the truth. It's only the truth because you've been believing it for so long. That's what a thought is. Something that you've been, a sentence you've been thinking over and over and over until your brain believes it. Then it's like locked in. So when we're believing something that is limiting, that is at the detriment to who we actually want to be, what we want to do and what we experience, we have to do the work to dismantle, to unravel, to reframe it. And then the work of our life is to continuously building the believability in ourselves. And so I know that, you know, people listening, they're probably thinking like, okay, I have these beliefs. I know I need to, you know, work on them and be aware of them. But when I'm in that shit show, like what's one thing I can do to sort of like start getting myself on the other side of it or feeling like I have some sense of control over that moment or what I'm feeling or thinking? Yeah. I, you know, and the one thing that's coming up for me is super simple. When you're in that, when you're in that response, your whole body is activated. So we want to make it as simple as possible. Understanding that we can only control ourselves. So we think about the situation, what is happening, whether we feel it's fair or not fair. Most of the time we're like, it's not fair. This shouldn't be happening. Why am I in this? Right. 
And in that moment, really, truly believing that you can only control yourself is going to give you so much freedom because then you can ask yourself from here, what is in my control? And you actually tell yourself the truth. What is in my control? What is in my control? And sometimes the only thing that you're in your control is maybe getting out of the bed and taking yourself a shower. Maybe it's getting yourself a, a cup of coffee. Maybe it's calling someone just to, to listen to you. I like to do the funny movies, not funny movies. I watch The Office every single day, <laughs> but I put a show on. Sometimes that's the only thing that's in my control, Kristen, like how I feel. And if I want to raise myself from like the depression, like the bottom of the, the emotional scale up a little bit, the only thing that's in my control is my ability to just raise that up a little bit more. So it can be as simple as the shower, coffee, tea, put a show on. That's like, it sounds super simple, but sometimes that is just where we start from. Once you're a little bit, you know, when you're in that space and you have a little bit more, um, I'll, I'll call it like mind range, range ability, then that's where I would really love to start seeing somebody write out, what do I want? In this moment, what do I want? Knowing all of the truth of what's going on behind, beside me, next to me, all of this, what is it that I want? And then you're going to ask yourself, what is in your control from that place? And from there, you could let the magic of having more control over your emotions in the moment start to unfold. Yeah, I, I love that. And thank you for giving us sort of like, you reminded me of like being in yoga and they're like, you can do this version or you can do this more advanced yeah. version. So that's great because I know people listening are on different points in their journey um, but I love the simplicity because when you're in that big overwhelmed space, it kind of, for me, sometimes feels like the answer needs to be big as well, but that's not true. It's just because you're in that and you're kind of feeling influenced by those feelings, those big feelings. But what you actually do need, like what you're saying is like, the simple one step thing. And that simple step will actually have such a huge impact. Yeah. And if you notice the, like I said, the office put something that would make you laugh. It's because now you're connecting back in your body and you're allowing yourself to tune out those thoughts that are very present, maybe like very persistent that are in there. And it's not that we're dismissing or we're ignoring, but we're getting back into the body. We're wanting to start to feel something different. And there's so much intimacy when you can be with yourself, especially in a place like that. Like when I was unraveling, like, and I, and it, you can't see my body language right now, but to Kristen, I'm like showing my body, like really moving. I couldn't sit still. The thought of meditating was like ridiculously laughable to me. You know, like you, you can't just sit still. You got to be doing something. And that is another way of our body's response of not feeling safe within trying to dismiss this. We want the big answer because we believe the big answer is the way, but we're bypassing our own intimacy with ourselves. We're bypassing our own wisdom and therefore our own healing in that moment. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And you know, that question, and you were like queen of simple, powerful questions that make you see things totally differently. <laughs> I can attest to that. Um, <laughs> but you. what do you want? I think so many people don't really tap into what they want. Um, and especially as women, right? We can be very conditioned to like, it's all about what everyone else wants. It's never about what I want. Um, and that question is, it's very deep, you, you know? And, and I think if you're not used to asking yourself that, it can feel difficult, I think, but it's, it's kind of, it is gets to the core of it, right? It just gets right to it. What do you want? And then the, the follow-up of what, what's within my control. I think that's super powerful combination. Yeah. For some reason, that question you would think is really easy to answer because we all want something, but it's not most of the time I'll coach someone and I'll ask them. And usually they'll just continue telling me what they don't want. And I'm like, this is good. Because we actually want experiences that are unfavorable to us. And the reason I say that is because if we didn't have them, we would never want for anything. We wouldn't want to change anything. We wouldn't grow to be these epic, amazing, incredible versions of ourselves because we wouldn't have anything to compare it to. 
we wouldn't know. It wouldn't, it wouldn't break us open in a way we're like, okay, I know I sure as hell don't want this, <laughs> right? I can tell you all the things I don't want. And I'm like, okay, so out of that, how would you like to feel instead? And that question, if you don't know what you want, tell me how you mm. want to feel. Because in doing that, we're like backstaging, back planning into what the experience is that would actually give you the result feeling that is the feeling we want. I love that. Okay. So switching gears a little bit, a lot of times you hear like mindfulness, you know, we need to stay in the present moment, but sometimes that can be tough. And sometimes it's actually important to tap into like the future, the future version of ourselves. So I know you talk about this a lot. How can we like tap into that future self in a positive way? So we're not talking about ruminating or the anxiety of we don't know what's going to happen in the future but using the other energy of what could happen in yeah. the future to help us, yeah, just like achieve our goals and and feel better and just as a tool. Yeah, I love this stuff. I think this is really what has changed my life from going from that 15-year-old teen mom to 17-year-old teen mom, dropout, all of that. It was having an idea, right? It was an idea of being able to get to graduate at 21 with a high school diploma, which for so many people, of course, it doesn't sound significant, but to me, it changed the trajectory of my entire life, the, my entire life. And I'll give a quick example of it. The reason why it's so important to think about the future and you want to think about it unfiltered. I know I said that already, but it's so important that we do not like filter the desire that you want to have. No matter how crazy and different it feels like from you today and you five years ago, 10 years ago, whatever it is. And the reason is, is because when you can allow yourself, number one, you allow yourself to see it, you start to accept the possibility that it could be true, that this could be something that you expect to experience throughout your lifetime. And there's so much power in that expectant energy. Expectant energy moves you into action. It moves you into knowing. It moves you into clarity. It moves you into belief. There's so much there. So when we think about the future, like for everyone listening, I want you to think about wouldn't it be fun if, wouldn't it be so cool if you could? And as you hear me say that, your mind will tell you exactly what to fill that in with. Because we're, it's like playful energy that is now being invited into our energetic state, into our emotional state, into our capacity of what we could do. And you just get to have fun with it. So when I think about Esperanza in five years, I'm like, wouldn't it be so fun if you have a team of coaches? Wouldn't it be so fun if you were speaking on like all over the world on stages? Wouldn't it be so fun to get all of our family and go to Colorado for Christmas. Like, wouldn't it be so fun, right? I think about all of those things. You want to allow yourself to, if you, number one, definitely write it down. But number two, my favorite part of it is holding it in your mind for a little bit. If it's 30 seconds that you can do it, if it's five minutes that you can do it, 15 minutes. But the more and more that you can see it unfiltered, and like base yourself in that energy, right? So when I think about the speaking on stages, because then I just get so lit up. I get chills throughout my body. I think about the blazer that I'm wearing. It's so weird. Like I, I picture all of it. I think about the, the chair that I'm sitting in. I think about the song Overcomer by Mandisa that's going to be playing as I come onto the stage. Like I, I think about all of those things and I'm starting to get like I'm, I'm feeling it. So my body is having the reaction as if it's already happened and I'm only talking about it, but I'm experiencing it as if, and when you allow yourself to do that and actually feel it, you lock in the energetics of it. Your body will remember. And because your brain doesn't know the difference between a truth and a lie, the more and more you can tell it, the more and more you're going to start becoming the person today that lives like that tomorrow. Oh, I love it. It's um when you're speaking, I'm like, oh, it's just tapping into the dreamer, you know, the dreamer in all of us and that energy. I do have a question and I'll bring it up because it's something that you coached me on. Yes. Someone like myself who can sometimes have trouble feeling safe to dream or yeah. safe to play in that really positive 
big, juicy future. What would you say to them to help them feel, I guess to help them, yeah, feel safe to play there? Ah, I love this because I think that this actually, there's a piece in every single one of us that has to work through like the uncertain, maybe fears or whatever could be present there. Um, So if this is you, one thing that I would offer is that you just put your hand on your heart. And when you feel that emotional activation of the unsafeness, right? There's like this energetic wall that stands between you and allowing yourself to like fully dive into the pool of playing and dreaming and believing that it's possible. And I want you to ask yourself, what do you need right now? What makes you feel unsafe about this? And then just see what comes up. When you do that, more than likely, it's your it's a version of us younger, right? That has picked up a belief that it may not be safe for us to do that, that we need to be serious and we need to be realistic and we need to work really hard and things don't just happen like that, right? And as I say that, those are things that I picked up when I was younger. And you need to, there's like all of these, this programming that we've picked up, but you can ask yourself, like, what do you need right now, though? Tell me what the actual, what could actually be dangerous about thinking this way? And in that moment, when you ask yourself, what do you need? And that comes up. And then you ask yourself, what could actually be dangerous? It's the adult version of you that's answering that question. So the child version of you that's answering, what do you need? But what could actually be dangerous? I need the adult version of you to answer it. There's two different answers that will come together to create union that will allow that energetic wall to come down little by little. And it'll take some time because remember the patterning of the brain, it needs repetition. It needs repetition to create a habit. Habits are safe. That's why we have an addiction problem. Habits are safe to the brain. And so when you create that safety and intimacy and you tell yourself it is okay to play there, it is okay to think that, it could totally be available to us. We get to decide. We're, we're ready to see things different. We're ready to feel things new. We're ready to play in here. We're ready to have that. We're ready to be that. We are that. That kind of energy is life-changing. And it gives you a different life force of energetics in the way that you show up moving forward. But you have to answer those questions. You have to ask those questions in order to be able to dismantle all of the stuff from the past. Yeah. And, you know, a, a phrase that you have given me that has helped me, it's like, a, I think you said it's like a bridge thought or bridge phrase, but it's, it's um, instead of, because sometimes I'm not always able to own, I am mm-hmm. fill in the blank, but you've taught me like, I am willing to. And that's, I think, really important for someone who's not quite Mm -hmm. you know they're not not quite in that space to just like fully embody and take on that you know I'm this new identity or I I'm choosing you know this but that I'm willing to for me feels like okay that's that can help me get to the next phase that I need to that I would like to be in Okay, so to wrap up, I mean, you've shared so much wisdom and so many takeaways that I know our listeners are going to be able to like actually take action, which is always the goal here. I want to ask you about a failure, if you wouldn't mind sharing. So the point of me asking this for this season of the podcast is to really help normalize that our journeys are imperfect and who I see sitting here or who I'm listening to, you know, as an accomplished expert in their field. Sometimes that's all we can see. And I'd love to just start reminding people that we all have peaks and valleys and that there's so much to be learned through failure. And I know that's something that you are so good at owning all the ups and downs in your life, which I really respect. And I feel like you bring them forward so that you can help others learn. So I thought you'd be the first, the great first person to ask this question to, because <laughs> this is the first time I'm asking it. So yeah, if you wouldn't mind sharing a failure that you've ever overcome and what your learning was from it. Oh my God, Kristen, there's so many failures. <laughs> I think my life has been, I almost want to say like riddled with failure. And it was supposed to be that way. 
so that I could get the lessons. There's so many, you know, there's excavation that needs to happen when we see failure. My six-year-old now says, right, mom, you have to fail in order to win. I'm like, yeah, you do. You have to fail. So if you're not good at soccer, I'm going to get you off of there so that you can make sure that you learn from that. And then you, you go and hit the goal or whatever next time. So, so for him, I'm already teaching him like, do not be afraid to fail. So, um, my first failure was failing high school, dropping out of high school, getting pregnant. And I, I, I tell that story because I want you to think about for the the listeners to think about the polarity from, we're going to use me as an example from that. 15, 17 year old teen mom, high school dropout, living in section eight on welfare. The whole, like the whole programming that I had was, this is who I was. I was a stereotypical teen mom on welfare. I was never going to be able to do anything. Essentially my life was quote unquote over. And I believed that until I realized that there was an option. I never knew there was an option out of failure. I just thought this is who I am. There's nothing else here. So you think about the polarity from where I began there and the polarity to where I am now. And this, you know, what's so fun about this is like, even with all the failures in the way, I feel like where I am is so fun, but it does not even begin to compete with where we're about to go and all the failures that are in between there. So high school dropout, one of my biggest lessons ever was going to basic training eight weeks in. There's 10 weeks in basic training in the army, eight weeks in, I failed. Like there were only two options. You could, because I didn't know how to shoot. It was, you can go back home, which seemed really safe and really good to my brain and my body, or you can start all over with the new company and watch your company graduate. And, and you know, you're going to be the one that is a recyclable, which is the terminology that they call in training. Um, basically like the failure of the piece of crap that couldn't make it. And so I'm taking that story with me to the next. So I, I decided like, I'm going to stay, I'm going to finish this out. And the way that I felt, Kristen, on graduation day from doing 20 weeks of basic training, (laughs) um, you know what? It's as if you wouldn't even have known that I had to do it twice because I had so much expectation in my heart of I came here to do this and I'm not leaving till I'm finished. Doesn't matter how many times they recycle me. And that really was the truth. Like I was able to see that in that moment. Your world there is closed off. You don't have access to a phone. You have access to like writing letters every now and then, but your whole world is different. It's it's not even this world that we're playing in right now. Everything is closed off. It's essentially like, you know, a simulated reality. And that lesson that I took from that failure was that I truly could overcome as long as I could see the finish line. I would visualize myself at graduation. I would visualize myself at the finish line of the two, the two mile run after the PT test that you have to take in order to graduate. I would visualize the way that, that my rifle hit and would bruise my shoulder when I went to go shoot. So I was like practicing in my head, visualizing all of the targets being taken down. And when I went back, I had to do it all over, got back to week eight. I got it on my first try. So the, the, the lesson there for me, that was one of the greatest failures. And it was also one of the most amazing things because I learned that I am resilient, I am strong. And I also learned the power of visualization in that moment that if I could see it, you know, you hear it all the time, if you can see it, you can be it. And it was the truth. If I could see it, I could not only be it, I could become it, I am it in this moment. Why not finish what I started here? Why not continue? And that really changed my life it changed the way that I felt about myself, changed the way that I thought about myself. It was one of the hardest lessons for me and one of the greatest lessons for me. Talk about the polarity between having to go home and then coming back and finishing. And also the one big thing here is the choice, the option. My brain was like, we're going to go home. The drill sergeants were saying, you should go home. You should go home. But having your own back, and knowing like, if you can see it, if you see that finish line, it doesn't matter what anybody else sees, whether they see it for you or you don't, you are the only one that has to see it. You're the only one that's responsible for getting there. You're the only one that can talk yourself in or out of it, in or out. Which one are you in? So that was one of my greatest lessons. I've got many more, but that really amplified the power of my belief back then. And I didn't know any of this work back then, but I did know the truth that if you can see it, you can be it. You can have it. You can do it. You are it. That was the truth. It completely unfolded. So 
I mean, that takes a lot of guts to and cojones, right? <laughs> like I <laughs> failed and I'm not going to see myself as the failure, but I'm going to choose to go the exact opposite way and see myself as the victor, right? At the end of this, when all said and done, I'm curious what triggered that like what triggered that instinct in you to go that route? And I'm also curious what triggered in you mm-hmm. to see a different path when you had two babies, you know, no high school diploma, living in, you know, on welfare. Like what were the, the sparks? Okay. I'll answer the first one. Okay. Um, Like what? Now I'm like, what was the question again for the first one? Like what triggered to to stay yes and go? For the first one, what in your, what instinct did you have that led you to kind of take things in the opposite direction, right? As whereas most people would embody that failure, but you chose to see yourself as a victor, even in the failure. Yeah. There actually was another, there was another woman. I was 24 at this time and she chose to go home. Like, so it was very like danger close, like go home. You can go home. Right. Yeah. Um, so before I went to the army, this was three years after I got my high school diploma or two and a half years after I got my high school diploma. And there was something that, you know, what Eminem's Eminem song. He's like, success is my only mother effing option. Failure is not. Mm. When I heard that line, I believed it. Like, oh my God, there's a choice. There, success is an option. You can decide whether you want to succeed or whether you want to allow failure to dictate the rest of your path. You can decide that. When I said I was going to go to the army, when I was going to go to the military, there was this emphasis of Number one, it was going to provide for my sons and I in a way that I was not able to before. There was another emphasis of there's this is bringing honor to our name. I felt very passionate about that. I think it was such a privilege for me even to have that as an option in my life. Um, and so when you have that kind of conviction and belief like it was not an option for me to not be able to provide for my sons (laughs) I dreamt of a world so radically different from where we were and where we started and there was nothing it wasn't there wasn't eight weeks or 10 weeks that were gonna allow me to say no I'm not willing to do 10 weeks I was like 10 weeks are in my way let's get it done even though every part not every part, but maybe 60, 40 of my brain space was like, go home. What if you fail? What if we can't shoot? What if we don't pass the PT test? Because I really sucked at setups back then. Like, what if we don't, right? There was this little voice that said, but what if we do? What if we do? And that part of what if we do, once you start entertaining the thoughts of the possibility, they get louder. The visions become clear. I saw myself at the finish line. I saw my sons in front of me. I saw myself getting a coin, which I did. All of that, once you start entertaining the truth of what of who you are and what actually is possible for you, your capability has no choice but to increase, to match the energy of who you are. So conviction and champion, like there was no other, there was no other option. There was no option. So if it was 10 weeks, it was 10 weeks. Yeah. That's what I'm really hearing is, you know, I was speaking to a mentor this, that I have uh, this weekend and she was talking about that, that like when your back's against the wall, like you, when you don't have any other options, like that puts a real fire under your ass, right. To like get things done and accomplish your goals. And then if you adding in having a really strong conviction or having a why that's like bigger than your fear, like those two things combined are just like, whoo, I mean, unstoppable, right? If you can really, if you're in that situation and you can tap into like, what's really important to me. And I have this why that is just, I'm going to see it through no matter what. Totally. You have to let yourself, you have to let your desire be stronger than your why. 
And many of us don't realize that it's even available to us, that it's an option to think that way. And it is. So what if it does work? Let that, let yourself hear that phrase in your head, start to answer it, start to play with it. And what if it does work? And wouldn't it be cool if we did this? And wouldn't it be cool if we did this? And then you'll start to see yourself believing more in yourself. You'll take more inspired action. You'll start guaranteeing your own results. Like I was guaranteeing my result, even though they were telling me like, you failed. <laughs> like, no, there's got to be a way. Like, no, no, I didn't. There has to be a way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there has to be a way. And there was, there always is. There always is. Because the other option was for me to accept that life. And that was <laughs> non-negotiable for me. I'm like, not going to do that. We're not doing that. Yeah, I really love that. It, it does help you, that failure helps you realize what your non-negotiables are, right? Real quick. Yes. Yeah. So many lessons in the failures. It, and thank you so much for sharing those. I know it, it's vulnerable to share your failures because it can be, it's scary to fail and then it can be uncomfortable talking about them. But um, I appreciate your just being open. And I know that so many people are going to hear your failures, which I want to put in quotes because I'm like, there's so much benefit to going through these ups and downs. I think I heard recently, like you can't, without friction, you can't grow. So like these failures are the friction, right? And they're, they're meant to like help us get to who we're meant to be if we can look at them in that in that light. Yeah. But thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for coming back on the show and just sharing all of your incredible knowledge and coaching and helping us really think about, yeah, how can we take control of our minds, tap into our feelings when we're just kind of like, in that storm. Um, I think people listening are going to really be able to put some of these things into action. So I just appreciate you so much. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. It's always an honor to be here and talk all of these things. I will link all of Esperanza's uh, information in our show notes. And thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of Podcast and Amplify. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And the best way to support this show is by sharing, rating, and reviewing the podcast. For those of you who leave a review, you'll get the chance to win a 30-minute strategy session or a mini audit of your existing podcast. Thanks for listening. And remember, your voice and what you have to offer is needed in the world. Until next week, take care.